Good morning, church family. Glad that we can be here together. I am glad that you are here. I'm glad that we get to gather together in the presence of Almighty God to worship Him this morning. And I'm glad that you have uh, been here to do that. If you're visiting with us, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. As was mentioned earlier, we would love for you to uh, give us a little bit of your time after services to get to know you better. We'd also love for you to fill out one of those blue cards on the back of the pew in front of you so we have a record of your attendance. You know, here's, here's the honest truth. We'll probably send you a text message and see how you're doing and see if we can help you with anything. So uh, we would love to be able to do that, send you a card, uh, let you know what's going on with us and see if there's anything going on in your life that we can uh, help you with. Uh, This morning, we are continuing our series that we'll do for the next couple weeks. So we'll wrap this up, Lord willing, at the end of December. And it's the idea of uh, sanctified or sanctification. Uh, And I want to just briefly talk about what that means for us, to remind us about what that means, and to encourage us. And then today we're going to talk about something very practical that all of us, that affects every single person in here. Young or old, no matter where you're at in life, married, unmarried, no matter what your station, wherever you are, uh, today's topic affects you. So it's going to be something uh, that hopefully will be beneficial to you as we look at God's Word and see what He has to say. The idea of being sanctified for the Christian, all right? If you are a Christian this morning, the idea of being sanctified is becoming holy, holy, or completely holy. We are, as Christians, we are saved from our sins. We were once lost in sin, just like everyone who's ever lived save Jesus has been lost in sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 3 and verse Uh, 23 and 623 tell us these things. Everyone who's ever lived and lived long enough to make a decision between right and wrong, everyone has chosen to do wrong and we have separated ourselves from God because he is completely and awesomely holy and righteous. And we're just not. We're just not. You can look in your life. It's not me. I'm not telling you anything you, you know, anything new. You know when you look in your life, you've done some things that you shouldn't have done. You've done some things that you're probably ashamed that you've done that's that's sin some things that are contrary to what god says is right you've done other things you've done wrong you've sinned but as a christian today because of the grace of god and through our faith and through the blood of jesus all of those sins have been washed away and we if you're a christian this morning praise god you're saved from your sin and that's great but we don't just stop there we want to be who god wants us to be we want to be like Jesus. We want to be more in the image of, of Jesus, his son, God's son. We want to live our lives that way. That's what scripture tells us to do. And that's what the idea of sanctification is. It is where I am. I am sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm different. I'm taken out of the world, out of darkness into his marvelous light. But I'm also being made sanctified. I'm becoming holy, holy. And this has to do with every aspect of your life. Your relationships need to be sanctified to God. Your job needs to be sanctified to God. The way you drive down the road needs to be sanctified to God. Everything you do in your entire life, every aspect of who you are needs to be sanctified. And this morning, we're talking about sanctifying our money. Another way you might be able to say it is sanctifying your finances. The money that you have, the blessings, the resources, the the stuff that is yours, those things need to be used for God's glory. Uh, In the Bible, there are at least 
800, probably many more, but at least 800 verses in the Old Testament and New Testament that have to do with money or have to do with finances or have to do with resources and how we, how we use those things. We're going to run through quickly uh, three here in just a moment. Then we're going to talk about one story. We're going to challenge ourselves at the end and think about a couple ways where we can practically try to sanctify our money because as a Christian today, you are saved, praise God, but God wants a better life for you. And part of that is sanctifying every aspect of your life, even your money. Even your money needs to be sanctified to God. So let's look at uh, three verses real quick of, when, uh, of the 800 or so that are in Scripture. Here's one of them. It talks about the importance. And these are not quotes, uh, but these are telling us what these verses teach us. So if you want to write these verses down and read them later, I would encourage you to do that. In Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, it talks about the importance of sanctifying our money or how we treat our money. And it teaches us these things. Giving leads to blessings while holding back only leads to want and we wouldn't always think that you know we think about having a savings account we think about having a rainy day fund we think about you know making sure that that our family and our people and ourselves are taken care of but in these verses it says those who who spread freely are blessed abundantly while those who hold back only find want it doesn't always make sense in our minds but God is teaching us here hey when there are people around you who need help financially or with some of the resources that you have, if you help them, you will be blessed. Another verse in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 that Josh read to us earlier, here's what it teaches. The rich, now you may not think of yourselves as rich, but you know this, okay? As far as the world is concerned, most of us, maybe all of us in here are rich according to the rest of the world in, in comparison to most of the rest of the world, okay? Uh, and it says the rich should be sure to hope in God and not in their wealth. It actually says in the uncertainty of wealth or the uncertainty of riches. We know what the uncertainty of riches is, right? That's the stock market, okay? We, we know what the uncertainty of riches is. Uh, it goes up and it goes down, we, and we very rarely have any control of it ourselves. So be sure to hope in God, not in, in their wealth. He says be rich in good works through generosity and sharing, and it says that this will lead to true treasure eternal life okay remember that passage because the the story that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes is going to be an echo of that passage right there okay and then the third one in, in malachi god is talking to the israelites and he says will you rob god and and we would think that the the answer to that is almost the answer that needs to be not said is nobody can rob god but he says but you have robbed god and it's not that god needed their money it's not that God, that they necessarily owed God a certain amount of money, that they had a, a monthly bill that came in from God, that sort of thing. But God had asked his people, the Israelites, hey, I'm expecting you to give this amount of money to help in the service of the temple, to help in the service of God. And they had not done it. And this is what the, these verses teach in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Israel had robbed God by not providing what he had asked for. And he challenges them. He says, just, just do what I've asked you to do and see if I will not bless you abundantly. So this first this, that first passage and that third passage both say, hey, if you will give, the return will be better. If you will give generously, if you will be kind, if you will be helpful, if you will give to the service of God, then you will be blessed. And that is a, a recurring theme when we think about verses about money uh, in Scripture. When we give to other people, God always usually blesses us even more abundantly. All right, let's look at a story in uh, Matthew chapter 19. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 19. 
in verse 16. You're familiar with this story. Uh, we most often call it the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's uh, some black books on the, book, the, the back of the pew in front of you. And uh, Luke, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 19 starts on page 824. So go ahead and turn there. Get it on your phone. Get it in your copy of the Bible. But let's turn and let's read God's word together and read about this, this man who has some serious interest in being who God wants him to be. He is looking to say, hey, what else do I have to sanctify? Do I have to give to you? Do I have to devote to you in order to obtain eternal life? He is interested in it, but he struggles with sanctifying his money. And I'm afraid, as a matter of fact, I know that this is us often. Okay, so let's look at this story. Matthew chapter 19, starting verse 16. And behold, someone came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? He asks a great question. What do I have to do to attain eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he, this person who comes to Jesus says, which ones? And Jesus says, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So here, let's, let's appreciate this man who's coming to Jesus and, and ask a great question. Hey, what do I have to do to inherit or to obtain or to get eternal life? That's a question that you have asked if you're a Christian. What do I have to do? That's what the people in, in Acts chapter 2, when they realize their sin and their, uh, their shortcoming and, and their murder of Jesus, men and brethren, what shall we do? What can we do to, to fix this problem that we have? The rich young ruler, he knew that Jesus had something that he was interested in, and he asked a good question, but he doesn't just stop there with keep the commandments. Jesus says, keep the commandments. He could have said, okay, and could have walked away. But he says, hey, can you be more specific? Which, which ones? Which ones do I really need to make sure that, that I'm keeping? And he gets that answer. And then in verse 20, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept. Now listen, if you were the rich young ruler and you came to Jesus and you asked the question, what do I have to do to turn eternal life? Keep the commandments. You might have at that point walked away. Or you might have been a little more inquisitive. You might have dug a little deeper and said, okay, commandments. Which ones, Jesus? Okay, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. You might have just thought in your mind, hey, I've kept those things since I was a kid. And you might have said, I'm good to go. And you might have walked off at that point. But he doesn't even stop there. He is genuinely, this man is genuinely interested in making sure his life is sanctified to God. Is sanctified to Jesus, perhaps even. He's really genuinely interested, just like you are. Or you probably wouldn't be here today. He's genuinely interested. What do I have to do? What, what can I do? What, how can I, what, what, what's, gonna go, what's, what's it going to take for me to get this thing that I want, that I need even? And Jesus says to him that he's got to do these things and keep these commandments. And he says again uh, in verse 20, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? He knew he was still lacking something. Verse 21, here's the answer. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Now again, that, that verse right there, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. That echoes 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Tell the rich in this present age to, uh, to not trust in their riches, but to trust in God, to be rich in good works, through generosity and sharing, and that will lead to true treasure, eternal life. Paul is echoing the teachings of Jesus to this man here. Hey, if you really want, if you want eternal life, Christian, if you want to be able to be with God forever and eternity, if you want to have that kind of relationship with God, 
Here are some things that you need to do. The rich young ruler specifically, Paul says in, to Timothy to teach the, the rich of, that some of us today, maybe many of us today, hey, if, if you are rich, you need to be rich. You need to count not on your wealth, but on God. And you need to be rich not in money, but in good works. And this will lead to eternal life. So these are the, the answers that he gives. And then verse 22. Here's the problem. He, he's got the opportunity, just like you are going to have today. The rich young ruler in this verse has the opportunity, just like you and I will have today, to sanctify his wealth to God. Verse 22. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he is one who owned much property. In the end of this story, this is really the last we hear about the rich young ruler. We don't hear any other words from him. He goes away. He turns around. You know, he, he could have turned around earlier when he said, hey, keep the commandments. Hey, I've done that. Hey, which ones? These. Well, I've done those since I was a child. That's great. I don't have to. He could, he could have turned around multiple times, but he gets the answer. He gets the, the answer to the, the answer of eternal life. And he turns away sorrowful. The, in the end, this man was interested more in the life than he was in the Lord. This man was interested or was, was less interested in the Messiah than he was his money. And he had a choice. He had a chance. He had all the information that he needed. Just like today, at some point today, through this lesson, through our study of God's word, you're going to have this opportunity. Verse 23, notice Jesus' response. And Jesus said to his disciples, as the rich young man is ruling or running or turning away, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to, uh, to remember that verse, Matthew chapter 19, verse 23. That's a warning to you and a warning to me. Again, by comparison to the rest of the world, most of us today are rich. You may not be the richest person. None of us are here the richest person in the world, probably not the richest person in America. You might not even be the richest person in Cookville, the richest person in your neighborhood, or the richest person in your house, all right? But you are rich compared to to most of the rest of the world. And he says, Jesus says, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That should be a warning to you. That should be a warning to me. And then we should need to listen to what does Jesus say after that. And again, I say to you, verse 24, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's some debate about the camel and the eye of a needle. Here's the point. It's hard for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. This is a difficult thing, a difficult thing. And we've got to be careful about what we're doing. Verse 25, and when the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The apostles here, and we're not going to take much time to, uh, to belabor this point, but the apostles here had a, had a mindset similar to perhaps our society's mindset. You know, they looked at this rich young ruler, and if, if what he said is true, he's an impressive man. You know those commandments of the Old Testament that Jesus listed off to him? He says, from my youth, I've done these things. He is a law keeper. He's, he's a rule follower. He, he's, a, he's a good guy. There's, there's nothing that people could look at him and say, hey, that's wrong. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. He, he was a, a good guy. And they, they say, well, if, if he can't be saved, then who can be saved? And then they also have this other mindset that, again, especially maybe our culture has today, and maybe we don't verbalize this, but we think this. We look at people who are successful, and we say, man, they must be doing something right. There must be somebody upstairs looking out for them. We, we equate worldly success with spiritual health 
Can I tell you that's just not accurate at all? Worldly success and spiritual health have nothing to do with each other. You can be as, as worldly, destitute, and poor, and, and out, on your, out of your luck, and, and just everything horrible happening to you, and you can have a great relationship with God. And you can be uh, rich, and wealthy, and successful, and, and have a horrible relationship with God, and vice versa. They don't equate, they don't line up, they're, they're, there's no correlation there. The relationship with God is totally separate from worldly success or worldly failure. So this rich young ruler, he, he walks away and he's got the answer, but he, he rejects it. Let's look at Psalm 24 and verse 1. Psalm 24 and verse 1, it's on the screen if you want to look at it there. Notice what it says. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. When we think about sanctifying our money, the rich young ruler had a problem. He had a lot of money, and he trusted in his money more than he trusted in his Messiah, the Messiah that was there to help him. He wanted more that eternal life than he wanted the Lord of his life. He wanted the end result without following through on the plan of how to get there. And that, again, can be us sometimes. Psalm 24 tells us, and there's all kinds of other verses that echo this same idea, that everything on earth belongs to God. And here's the challenge for you this morning. Here's the challenge for me this morning. Here's the question that I want you to to stop and think about, whether you do that right now or later on during the day. Stop and think about this, okay? Can you, can I accept that everything I have, all that I've acquired, actually belongs to God? And I'm just managing what he has entrusted to my care. Can you accept that? Whether that's a lot or whether that's a little. That everything you have, and here's here's where this pride of life comes in, right? That everything you've acquired, that the great job that you've done at at your job or the great job that you've done in the community or the great talents and abilities that you have, can you accept that everything you have, everything you've ever acquired, everything you will ever possess you might say earned does not belong to you but it belongs to God and your job is simply to manage what he has entrusted to your care to sanctify it back to him to use those blessings for your glory now again let me reiterate because I know it's true in this room this morning this doesn't mean that you're a rich young ruler and you have to use all of that money for God's glory it doesn't mean that we the, this is the in this this story of the narrative of Jesus life Jesus is setting out on a journey and as he's about to set on this journey that's when he meets the rich young ruler at the end of this journey he goes uh, into the city of Jericho and there he meets Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is another rich man and, and Zacchaeus uh, spends some time with Jesus and some people don't like Zacchaeus and the, the point that, comes, that it comes to is Zacchaeus says, hey, if I've done something wrong, if I've wronged people financially, I'm going to fix that because Jesus, I'm interested in sanctifying my life to you. I'm interested in fixing my problem and coming to you. And then later on in the story, the, the narrative of Jesus' life, this is shortly before when he gets to Jericho, you know where he's going? He's going to Jerusalem, the Jerusalem, the last week of his life before he faces the cross. And when he gets into Jerusalem, there he looks at the temple and he watches people giving. And what does he see? He sees a widow who gives a single mite. And what does he say? She has given more than all of the rich have given. 
There are people lined up to give into the treasury box. And there's, uh, you know, people writing big checks and put them in the treasury box and making sure people say, you know, they hold open their check a little bit when they're putting it in the plate to make sure, hey, you see that dollar amount, right? You see that money that I'm giving? And then this widow who didn't have anything gives all that she does have a mite. It's not worth much at all. And Jesus says, she sanctified her money to me. Sanctifying your money is not about how much money you have. Sanctifying your wealth or your finances is not about how much you can fund yourself, what great mission trips you might be able to afford to go on, or any of those types of things. Sanctifying your money is the question of how can I use the resources, and specifically for us today, the money that I have for God's glory. Here's my challenge for you this morning. I want to challenge you to pray to God to put a burden on your heart to sanctify every cent you have for his glory. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm going to say a prayer here in just a second along those lines. And this is a good practice for any time a public prayer is led. But at the end of the prayer, if you agree with what I say, that you want this in your life, I encourage you to give a hearty amen. Amen simply means let it be. Yes, I agree with that. Let that be true in my life. Now, if you don't agree with what I say, don't say amen heartily. But if you do, I encourage you to do it. Let's see if we can agree on this and and then we'll talk about, okay, what do I do about that? Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the abundant blessings you've given to us, God. Lord, everyone in this room You have supplied what we need. And most of us, God, you've given us far more than we need. Lord, I pray for me and for my family and for anyone else who agrees with this, that you will place a genuine burden on my heart that I will constantly, regularly, consistently think about how I can sanctify my money for your glory. How I can spend my money in ways that will point people towards you and that will be well-pleasing in your sight. God, I pray that uh, when I think about the budget for the month or the year or vacations or lunch money or going to Walmart or spending money on Christmas, putting gas in my car, that you will put a burden on my heart to make sure that I sanctify every cent for your glory. Father, I pray these things in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we do that? We pray to God to put a burden on our heart. We pray that God will be active in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. But what else might we do? Again, when you, when you, and some of us do this and some of us don't do this. If you don't do this, this might be a good thing to do. This is a practical idea. This is not necessarily biblical, okay? It's just me talking. Make a budget. Uh, for, for some of us, that would be radical, okay? You've never done that before. You never thought about it. You've never thought about where your money is going. And if we don't think about where our money is going, guess what? It's going to leave. If we don't think about where our money is going, it's, it's going to go somewhere, all right? We need to just, just stop and think about it. 
Where's my money going to go? And then while you're doing that, don't just think, okay, well, I need this much money for my grocery bills. I need this much money for this. You know, we got vacation. I need this much money. Don't just think about where the money is going. Think about, ask, answer these questions, okay? Uh, what am I wasting money on? Whew. I want to sanctify every cent for God's glory. What am I wasting money on? It's not helping anything. Imagine how much money we waste. It isn't bringing any glory to God. What am I spending money on that not only does it not bring glory to God, but it actually hurts my relationship with God? What am I spending money on that that pulls me or others further away from God? And then how can I spend my money to glorify God? And maybe you're maybe you're not changing the, the areas your money is going to, but when you're thinking about, okay, well, the money that I budget for groceries, how's that going to glorify God? The money that I give to the church. How's that going to glorify God? The money that I put in my gas tank, how's that going to glorify God? If I'm serious, and maybe not all of you, but a good number of you say amen. If you're ser- serious about sanctifying every cent for the Lord, we've got to stop and think about these things. Turn me, if you will, as we, as we wrap up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Again, this idea of sanctification, and it's every aspect of our life. It's, it's, it's big and, and theological areas like salvation and, and worship and that sort of thing, but it's also very practical areas like the money that I have in, in my life. How do I sanctify those things to the Lord? Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Paul says to those Corinthians, I am confident of this very thing, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That he's, he's completing it, he's perfecting it, it's an ongoing thing. It is sanctification. It's where I am and it's where I'm going. I am saved from my sins, but I'm becoming more of who God wants me to be. And Paul says, I am confident that God started that work and that he will finish it. How am I going to sanctify my money? It won't just be because I want to. It has to start there maybe, but it won't just be because I want to. Because if it was all up to me, guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to do it right. And that's any and every area of your life. If you only count on you, you will fail. But Paul says, I'm confident God will complete it. He'll finish it. And then look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I, brothers and sisters, am thankful that I'm not the only one that this relies upon. I'm thankful that God has started a good work and that God in this moment in my life is still working in my life. Are you thankful for that? And will you get enough out of the way to let God work in your life? Yes, through a study of, your work, of God's word, through an application of God's word, and through a desperate need of God to move in your life. Let's continue to pray for a burden, not just a thought, not just, a, okay, well, you know, we talked about that on Sunday, but I'm not going to worry about it. Listen, if you don't think about this tomorrow morning when you wake up, then you haven't sanctified your money to the Lord. It's that simple. If we don't think about these things and consider how to apply these things, then I'm wasting my breath and you're wasting your time. I want to go to heaven. I'm planning on being there. God's going to get me there. He's already told me I'm going there. I'm going to heaven. And along the way, I want to be more like Jesus. 
so that I can help other people go to heaven. And yes, even the way I use the resources and the money that God has given to me will help or will hurt that. This morning, are you a Christian? This morning, is your life sanctified to the Lord? If it's not, guess what? We all struggle with it. God is working within us, but we struggle against that sometimes. If you need help along those lines, we want to help you. Today, when we think about money, it doesn't matter how much or how little you have, but will you sanctify everything you've got to the Lord? That everything you have somehow brings glory to God. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're not going to heaven. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're not going to heaven. Because good people don't go to heaven. Christians go to heaven. Followers of Jesus go to heaven. The good news is becoming a Christian is not a hard thing. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, you're willing to confess Him as the Lord of your life, submit to Him in baptism, and begin to walk your life according to His word and His will and sanctify your life completely, then you can have the same confidence that I have, though I am weak, though I am poor in spirit, though I am uh, weak and, and, and sinful, I'm confident I'm going to heaven because it has very little to do with my ability to follow rules and everything to do with God's ability to be gracious. If you want to know more about that, we, it would be our privilege to talk to you about that. If you're ready to become a Christian this morning, we would love to help you along those lines. Uh, Brothers and sisters, sanctify your life completely to the Lord. Be made holy, holy. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.